The one-year anniversary of President Biden's cyber executive order is coming Thursday. The president signed the EO May 12, 2021. Dan Prieto is head of cybersecurity strategy for Google Cloud Public Sector. He's former chief technology officer in the office of the CIO at the Defense Department and former director for cybersecurity policy on the National Security Council. Dan, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. As we get to almost a year out from the EO, where do you think we are today in government as far as actually fulfilling both the letter of the EO and the spirit of it? Welcome. Thanks very much, Francis. Good to be with you again. We are in the early stages. I mean, if you think about this in terms of baseball, nine innings, you know, we're still in the first or second inning. And that's always the case whenever there is a uh, thrust, a push of new policy in government. The ink dries. I think the reporting on it is generally like, okay, everything's changed. But the reality is it always takes multiple years for federal departments and agencies to internalize uh, the new policy directives, um, to really have those color all of their activities. Um, and, and even still, basically a year past uh, the initial issuance of the executive order, you know, implementing guidance from uh, OMB only came out in January with uh, OMB memo uh, 2209, basically providing additional implementing and supporting guidance for the EO and then National Security Memo 8, which says it's not just federal civilian government that needs to follow the zero trust components of the EO, but it's also actually owners of national security systems. So it's early days still. Uh, supporting guidance is still coming out. Uh, departments and agencies are still you know, getting their ducks in a row because, as we discussed at the, the summit uh, earlier in the month, um, getting this right is not just about continuing to add tools, but it's about orchestrating and coordinating those tools to drive certain outcomes. Yeah, the last time we were together was at that Zero Trust Summit, Dan, and that video is available at fedscoop.com. My takeaway from our conversation, yours and mine, and from the other conversations there was everybody's at least discussing the fact that they, number one, Zero Trust is a journey, and number two, they're all on it. And subsequent to that conversation, Every CIO, every CISO, et cetera, that I've spoken to has said, yeah, we started that before the executive order. Does that mean that the place that we're in today, wherever that place may be, are we on track? Are we behind? Or does it really matter the timing of it? Does that matter as much as the fact that agencies really have moved out? I think it's partially true that folks had started this ahead of time uh, in that the things that the executive order requires around zero trust and the NIST 800-207 guidance. It, it all, all the new policy and all the new guidance implicates components and ingredients that every department and agency already had in place, right? I think the uplift on policy is that it wasn't just about having the shopping list and the ingredients, it was about putting it together the right way. And I think what you'll see if you look across the federal landscape is you will see a highly varied range of where people are on getting the recipe right, regardless of whether or not they have the ingredients in place. Um, and so I think it's hard to, to, to provide an average score for where the government's at because it's going to vary across every department and agency. And frankly, it's going to vary significantly within every department and agency. Um, because again, as you and I talked about, not only does the policy big bang take time to really take hold, 
when inside an organization, I think it's a fiction to think that there is a big bang by which they can make the entire enterprise, every user group, every application, every data set be compliant with the zero trust sort of performance mandates. In reality, most organizations, they have applications or user groups that are maybe well on their way, but other parts of the organization might not be as well on their way. I mentioned that there's a lot of conversation around this. What's the best way for an organization to convert that talk into action? You know, I I think a couple of things. I think really internalize the policy requirements, number one. Number two, really get a good inventory of the ingredients that can contribute to zero trust in your organization. Number three, get a real good sense of the range of projects, you know, who are your leaders and your laggards within your organization, right? And then the third, fourth thing is, when you think about your zero trust strategy, um, and if you think about possibly bringing in new tools and capabilities, how do you bring those together with the stuff you already have and the stuff that's already in train? right? It's really getting a lay of the landscape of everything you have, the current state of everything you're doing, and figuring out how to bring that all together to create these zero trust outcomes we spoke about. At a more granular level, you know, I think the lessons we learned in Google when we implemented zero trust globally for ourselves, there are some things that seem simple on paper, but are actually really hard to do, right? The steps that we undertook were making sure that we basically have full inventories and have fully identified all of the devices in the enterprise. Second, securely identifying uh, and making sure we have inventories of all the users in the enterprise and have associated with all of those users what kinds of things they should be able to access uh, or not and what their roles determine what they should access or not. The third thing we did, and this again was a multi-year journey for us, was really remove any implicit trust that was granted by the network or where you were coming from on the network. And in fact, we eventually got to the point where we removed the need for a trusted network altogether. That piece that we went through is a really big change for government because a lot of security has been premised on the idea of the network being really the operative control plane for security. The the fourth thing we did was look at the applications and workflows we had And for us, a sort of web-enabled enterprise, we said, let's take those internal applications and workflows and let's actually, you know, rebuild them, redesign them so that they're actually potentially external facing, right? And then after we did all of those things, we said, look, let's implement access controls, right? Based on all the things we know, what do we trust about you and your device? How do we grant access to applications and data? And how do we ensure that all that access is encrypted and and secure? Um, So those are the steps we went through. But again, they seem simple on paper, but they're complicated in reality. Another thing that organizations can do is follow some of the guidance out of the Department of Homeland Security, CISA. They have a maturity model um, for where you are on this journey that evaluates each organization. And you can sort of self-evaluate. Where are you as regards identity? device, network, applications, and data. There's also a maturity model in the DOD DISA guidance for zero trust. So there is no shortage of ways to get started. Uh, I think, again, progress will come in fits and starts in each of those buckets, though. When I think about the analysis you just provided, and I 
read the CISA documentation, the CISA material that you just suggested. This is totally an art, not a science, right? There's not a way to make a list and say, we're going to do this and do this and do this the way that a lot of people, quite frankly, have done security and government for a long time, right? It is certainly not akin to the checklist notion that there's this black and white view as to whether you're compliant or not, right? And that is, you know, an overarching theme and tendency in security historically. It is also more art than science in that, as we discussed at the summit, every organization is different because their starting points are different. Their use cases might be different. Their user populations or data sets might be different. And in fact, that need for flexibility, which makes it as much art as science, or if not more art than science, the whole point of the NIST 800-207 was to build into the guidance flexibility. There are multiple ways to achieve the same outcomes. There are different architecture patterns. The ingredients you use might be different than the specific ingredients that another organization used because the ingredients you use will be determined by what tools and capabilities on the cyber side you had in place already, right? Where you're strong, um, where you're weak, what tools, what vendors you have in place, those starting conditions all, all differ. So there is no one way to do everything, but we do know zero trust outcomes when we see them. There is a way to achieve the outcomes. If we get together a year from now or two years from now on the second and third anniversary of the EO, and I hope we do, by the way, um, what, where should we be at that point, do you think? What progress should happen between now and May of 23 and May of 24 and so on? I think every department and agency, as the years progress, should have lighthouse programs that they know are the best of what they do. And again, the lighthouse program will depend. If you're a student loan agency, it'll be different than if you're a federal law enforcement agency. But everyone should know what their lighthouse program is where it is on its progress path, and what benefits that Lighthouse program provides to the mission. And as that Lighthouse program makes progress, it should provide an example and also build muscle memory to start operationalizing, you know, and basically pivoting off that success to bring zero trust to other applications and workloads around the organization. I think as well, every federal agency and department should know where they're really their biggest weak spots are. And this comes in trying to map some of these efforts uh, against some of the things they've done historically on high value assets, basically asking themselves what's mission critical um, uh, and where do we have the biggest vulnerabilities? So basically mapping these lighthouse programs and getting success and momentum uh, while at the same time knowing the areas where you have the, the weakest spot is really, to be frank, a state of each of these departments and agencies where they are very self-aware about where they are, where they're going, and what they want to prioritize. Dan, great conversation as always. Terrific to talk to you. Thanks for joining me today. Terrific. Thanks so much, Francis.